Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, featuring biblical teaching and preaching from God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word. If you live in the Panhandle area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you at First Baptist Church. We meet every Lord's Day for Sunday school at 9 a.m. and morning worship at 10.30 a.m. We also have midweek discipleship opportunities for all ages on Wednesdays. For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. So we've talked about why we are sisters in Christ, because we're united to Christ and to one another. Uh, We've learned that this unity we have uh, changes us um, and it um, it's a testimony you know our love for one another um, our united purpose with one another our united status with one another um, is a testimony to the world of who Christ is so we're going to look in a little bit more detail at kind of what what does our sisterhood look like? Um, How do we practically live out this union that we have with each other? Uh, So for the next little bit, I'm just going to be referencing different verses from Romans 12. Um, If you're familiar with the book of Romans, it's a pretty uh, heavy uh, theological book that um, Paul wrote uh, to the church at Rome. And throughout most of the book, he's just kind of unpacking the gospel and explaining about, you know, our depravity and God's grace and um, what the gospel is. But then when he gets toward the end of the book, he starts to get into the practicalities of it. You know, because uh, the gospel is true, now this is what it looks like to uh, live out your Christianity. And so he, in Romans 12, he gives uh, just a list of some specific things uh, for Christians, um, and many of them have to do with how they relate to each other. And so I'm going to be focusing on a few of them. So in in my book, I I certainly, the list of uh, characteristics of our sisterhood in Christ is is, uh, not limited to what I'm going to talk about today. Um, and you could probably think of other things as well, but these are just some ones that I focus on in the book, and I'm just going to kind of um, talk briefly about each of them to give you uh, some idea of it, um, but you can dig in more into it in, in, in the book. All right, so the first characteristic of our sisterhood, of um, how we live out this unity with one another, is that we help and serve one another. And so in uh, Romans 12, 13, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Um, A few years ago, I had to have um, thyroid surgery. I had half of my thyroid removed. Um, And so if you've ever had surgery, you know they often want you there like before the sun ever comes up in the morning. And they only allowed, you know, one person to um, accompany me. Um, and so we have two kids, and we had just moved to the Atlanta area. 
Um, and my kids were not old enough to be left home alone all day. Um, and being new to the area, we, you know, we didn't have um, any babysitters and we didn't have um, family, the closest family, we were like 10 hours away. And so I was not only stressed out about this surgery, <laughs> but like, what am I going to do with my children? Um, and so, you know, we were attending this church and I reached out to people in the church and um, a family um, offered for our kids to stay the night. The night before I went into the hospital and they stayed with uh, this family the whole next day and then um, this family brought us a meal for when I returned home from the hospital. Um, this was a huge, a huge thing for me um, to just kind of calm my anxieties of knowing where my kids were going to be uh, during that time. And, and so in this way, my um, brothers and sisters in Christ served our family. But it, it, was, it did feel a little bit uncomfortable to have to reach out to people I didn't, maybe didn't know quite as well, um, to ask for help. It felt kind of awkward. Um, but this is what family does for one another. We meet each other's needs. We serve one another. And we see this throughout um, the New Testament with the early church, uh, especially in the book of Acts. We see how um, the church shared everything that they had with each other. In fact, in Acts 4, it tells us that there was not a needy person among them. Can you imagine that? To have a group of people where there was not a needy person. Uh, that's because they generously shared everything that they had. Um, in James, it tells us that meeting another's needs is a way of living out our faith, and it's actually evidence of that faith at work in us. Uh, we also see in the New Testament a number of examples of um, churches sending money to other churches to help support them. Um, Paul talks about uh, the ways churches supported him and his needs. Um, so this is an, an essential part of what it means to be part of the body of Christ um, and what it looks like to be united to one another. Um, I don't know. I think many churches have, you know, uh, maybe a meal set up for when um, a mother has a new baby or when somebody is in the hospital. That's a very practical way of serving somebody. Um, I think that there's a n the ways in which we can serve are endless. I mean, you can think of ways of, you know, if someone is having um, cancer treatments, of, of driving them to their, to their treatments. Um, if you can consider those who might be um, widowed who might need help with things around their homes, fixing or repairing things. Uh, we can serve our young moms through um, offering babysitting. Um, the opportunities are endless. In whatever way that we serve our sisters in Christ, the important thing is that we remember that we're not doing it because we expect something in return. Um, so when we give uh, our time or our resources or, or we serve somebody, um, it's not reciprocal, and we, we don't expect them to do likewise for us. Um, the service that we give to one another uh, is it's a sacrifice. It's, it's not easy. It's uh, often inconvenient. Um, when we help our sisters, the help that they need usually comes, you know, not at the perfect time when you're just sitting around, and you're like, oh, I've got this break in my day. 
maybe there's somebody I can serve. Well, a lot of times people need, need help when you don't have the free time and it ends up being uh, complicated. But that's because that's how life is. Um, it's messy. Um, sometimes our sisters need help more than once. You know, they might need help frequently. Um, if, we, if we waited for the right timing or the right circumstances to serve each other, we probably would never do it. So when we do serve one another, um, we remember our Savior, uh, who was the suffering servant, who, uh, you know, think of him leaving the halls of heaven to come and live and die for us. Um, so the Bible tells us that when we serve one another, we're actually serving Christ himself. So we serve one another because we are united to each other. And so I en encourage you today to consider um, is there somebody that you know who is in need, uh, whom you can serve, whether it's um, practically by doing something for them, uh, providing something for them, uh, or meeting some need that they have? A second area of our uh, sisterhood, of what it looks like to live out this unity that we have, um, is that we mourn together. Um, I don't know if you've ever gone through a loss and, and maybe a friend came and comforted you during that time. In Romans 12, Paul tells us to weep with those who weep. So we, uh, as sisters in Christ, we mourn with one another. Our, our losses, our heartaches, our broken dreams, the, the sufferings that we go through in this life. If you think about um, just the, the sufferings that women experience in life, uh, miscarriage, divorce, widowhood, job loss, betrayal, prodigal children, uh, terminal illness, financial losses. All, each one of these things is a heavy thing, a heavy burden um, that we should not bear alone. And God gave us each other to bear those burdens together. And if you remember that we are united to Christ and, and to one another, um, when someone else is, is feeling uh, hurt by something, we all feel it. Uh, the writer to the Hebrews wrote, Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Uh, the reformer Martin Luther, uh, he wrote, When we feel pain, when we suffer, when we die, let us turn to this, firmly believing and certain that it is not we alone, but Christ and the church who are in pain and suffering and dying with us. I've, I've certainly had many friends who have endured things that I've not gone through personally, that I may not understand, um, but because we are part of the same body, I grieve with them. I, I mourn with them. Their sorrows become my sorrows. Um, so what does it look like to mourn with somebody else who is going through a difficulty? I would say the first and most primary thing that we do is that we listen. Uh, we don't have to have uh, all the answers. We don't have to know what God is doing in our sister's life or, or why he's doing it. Uh, we don't have to know what's going to happen uh, in their life in the future or even how our friend will get through what she's going through. We simply have to be with our friend 
uh, listen to her, weep with her. Um, we don't tell them that we understand or that everything is going to be okay because that's not a promise that we can make. You know, often things do get worse. Uh, we live in a fallen world where bad things happen and they're going to continue to happen. Things really aren't okay. Uh, we, we see the, the effects of, of sin and the fall on every area of life. Our bodies, our relationships, um, everything uh, is broken. And we should grieve that. So we, uh, we listen to our sisters, we, we weep with our sisters, and then we certainly serve our sisters in practical ways, who, those who are going through um, some period of, or some season of loss. Um, and I think you, you've certainly done that. I'm sure that you've provided meals when there's been a loss in the family. Um, we can fill a person's refrigerator. We can do their laundry. We can answer phone calls. You know, if you think of all the things that are, are difficult for yourself to do in a crisis, those are the kinds of things that you can do for a friend who is suffering in some way. Now, there will come a point in the future where maybe your your friend, um, you know, the the clouds of grief maybe have lifted a little, and, and she's, she's really ready to start talking about what she's been experiencing. Uh, and that's when we, we speak the gospel to our sisters. We remind her of, uh, of Jesus, of the man of sorrows who took her suffering so seriously he came to die for her. We remind her of, of who Christ is, what he has done, and, and her future hope and glory. But I think the most important thing we can do for any sister who is going through a season of mourning is, is to pray for her. We pray with and for her. Uh, we ask the Lord to comfort her. Uh, we ask for wisdom to not say something that might um, only add to her burden. Uh, we ask the Lord to use this season that she's going through to strengthen her faith. Prayer is really one of the most practical ways that we live out our unity with one another because we pray to the same Father on our sister's behalf. Um, the, the reformer Martin Luther, he often suffered from depression and, and a lot of just painful uh, physical ailments. And he relied on the unity of his fellow believers in Christ, and he would ask them to pray for him. Uh, there were times when he was in such severe pain that he thought for sure, this is it, I'm, I'm about to die. Uh, one time he, he wrote these words. He said, I almost lost Christ in the waves and blasts of uh, despair and blasphemy against God. But God was so moved by the prayers of the saints, and he took pity on me, and he rescued me. So we pray for our hurting sisters. We, we keep praying for them. Uh, any kind of loss is, is a long-term uh, thing that we go through, and so we, we need that long-term prayer. Uh, we need to stick by our sisters, whatever they're going through. So I ask you today to, to consider, who do you know personally uh, who, is, who is hurting, who is going through a difficult season of, of some kind of loss, and how could you mourn with her today? A third area of our sisterhood, of, of how we live out our unity, um, 
comes from the same verse uh, in Romans 12 where Paul exhorts us to rejoice with those who rejoice. And then in verse 10 of Romans 12, he says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I don't know if you've ever had uh, a friend in your life who's maybe experienced a blessing in her life that you've desired in your own. Um, Whether it's, you know, maybe you were single and a friend is getting married and you really wanted to be married or somebody has a, a, the Lord has blessed a a person in their ministry and and your ministry is suffering. Um, Maybe somebody's child is doing really well in school and your own child isn't doing quite as well. Uh, There are many blessings that our friends receive from the Lord that that we've not received. Um, But this verse um, in Romans tells us that we are to rejoice with our sisters when God blesses them. We're to give thanks to the Lord for his goodness to them. But I think we can be honest here that that's a hard thing to do. Uh, this verse kind of challenges us and in, in, in the idols that we worship in our heart. Um, you know, the, those things that we love and, and desire above God tell us that we should be angry that our friend has gotten something that we wanted. Um, we might find ourselves comparing our life to our to our friend and, and feel bitter when it when it pales in comparison, and we find discontentment growing. Uh, and so, while we might congratulate our sister outwardly, inside we might be thinking, oh, "That's not fair. Why not me?" Uh, and so, we find ourselves begrudging and resenting the the good things that our friends are experiencing. Uh, And so when we hear um, good news from a sister in Christ and we find our heart kind of respond in that way, uh, we need to do a heart check. Uh, We need to evaluate our heart and and look for idols. You know, what are we worshiping and and putting um, and seeking life in apart from Christ? You know, um, there have been times when uh, all I wanted was like, you know, maybe a new home and and my friend moved into one and it was perfect and it was beautiful and I was like and I inside I was thinking that's not fair why why can't I have that um and then in those moments that's when I need to repent um you know sometimes we might be seeking um success whether in our lives personally or success in our children's lives and and you know, maybe our friend shares good news about success in their life, and, and we feel that in our heart, that bitterness or that um, that sense of it's not fair. That's when we need to uh, pray about that and repent of that. Because the truth is, we are united to Christ, we're united to one another, so that good thing that the Lord has done in our sister's life uh, is actually our good as well. Um, Just as the body has different parts and different uses, God has blessed each part of the church body differently, and he writes different stories for each one of us. But all of our stories, all of our individual stories, are woven together um, and joined into the grand story of redemption. And so we're called to rejoice with one another and to even go beyond that and to outdo one another in showing each other honor. 
So we don't just say congratulations to someone who has something um, good going on in their life. We host a party to celebrate with them. So today I want you to consider, you know, who do you know that the Lord has blessed in some way recently? And how could you rejoice with her? How could you show honor to her for what the Lord has done in her life? Uh, the next area or uh, aspect of our sisterhood um, is that we grow together. Uh, in Romans 12, verses 4 through 6, it says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And so the, the Apostle Paul, in his letters, often um, described the church uh, like a human body, as one unit made up of many parts. Uh, in this analogy, Christ is the head, and we make up the rest of the body. Uh, and so in the church, uh, there are some people who are more noticeable, um, and then there's others who are more behind the scenes. God has gifted each one of us um, it, with different gifts to use to build up and help the body grow. Each person in this room has a gift, and it is um, essential to the health and well-being of the church. Um, they're all important. You know, uh, one person might be gifted in, in singing, another might be teaching, another might be gifted in service, but each one is important and essential, and we need everyone's gifts to make the church body grow. And so what this means is we shouldn't think that um, our gifts are, are less important than somebody else's. Uh, we shouldn't think that, you know, maybe the person who is... Um, leading the worship on Sunday, that their gift is more important than the person who's rocking the babies in the nursery. Uh, as sisters in the Lord, we should desire to see all of us using our gifts for the good of the church. We should look for ways to utilize everyone's gifts. Uh, for example, when you, you, know, you put on an event such as, as this one, like a, a retreat or some sort of event, Consider how um, your gifts could be used. Is there someone who has the gift of, of decorating? Um, someone who uh, can pray for an event? Someone who is gifted in administrative uh, details? We should uh, look for those who are on the sidelines, who don't often contribute uh, to the church, and, and help them explore ways to use their gifts. How could we all work together for the good of the church. Because when we are all using our gifts, uh, when we're all doing our part, uh, our unity is on full display. Ephesians 4.16 says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So we need to show our appreciation to one another for using our gifts, uh, encourage one another to use gifts, and honor one another. Uh, tell each other what, uh, your, what your sister's gifts mean to you. You know, tell your sister, you know, when you um, uh, 
when you led that lesson in Bible study, that, that really uh, spoke to me and impacted my life. Or, you know, when you brought me that meal when I was sick, it really encouraged me. So tell each other what uh, their gifts mean to you. So I want you to, to consider today how each of you could use the gifts that God has given you uh, to build up and bless the church. Another aspect to our sisterhood and how we practically live it out is uh, that we disciple one another. In Paul's letter to Titus, he instructed um, the pastor there at Crete in what a gospel-centered church looked like. He uh, taught him, you know, how you select elders and deacons and uh, the importance of preaching the word. But then in chapter 2 of Titus, Paul gave him specific instructions for various groups of the church. Um, and you, you may be familiar with this passage in Titus 2 where Paul uh, says that older women are to disciple younger women. I'm just going to read those three verses. He writes, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So uh, Paul was urging these older women in the church uh, to be spiritual mentors to the younger women in the church to teach them what it looks like to, to love their family, how to glorify God in their mothering, and what it looks like to be a woman of God. These older women were to take what they had learned from sitting under um, you know, the preaching of the word from their pastor uh, to then apply it to their own lives and then help the younger women apply the gospel to their lives. And there was a goal for this that they would shine a light in their dark world, um, that they wouldn't not uh, malign the word of God to the people around them. Um, and so this, uh, when we think about discipleship, um, it's not uh, like one person just handing out advice to somebody else. Um, it's Discipleship isn't about, you know, sharing helpful tips on how to keep your house organized or how to get your child on a good sleep schedule or how to save money at the grocery store. Um, because if that's really all we needed, uh, we could just search online. Google has uh, plenty of helpful tips for us. Um, a, a spiritual mentoring relationship is about um, a spiritually mature person investing in a younger woman's life to lead and guide her into greater holiness. And so instead of passing on personal advice, it's about pointing uh, a woman to the wisdom of God's word. It's, you know, helping uh, a woman understand her identity in Christ and what it means to be a daughter of the living God. And so this kind of relationship is really rooted in the word. And so uh, while a discipleship in relationship certainly involves a certain level of instruction, um, and while uh, a mentor will walk uh, with someone through God's word, it's more than just teaching a biblical concept. Um, it's not simply just repeating what you do in Sunday school. Um, because really, if, if that's what the women uh, in Titus's church needed, 
they were getting that from their pastor preaching the word. You know, he was instructing them from the pulpit. But what this uh, discipleship relationship was, um, was older women uh, sharing life with younger women. Um, And so this is something that's done not in the classroom, but in the living room. You know, uh, an older woman is sharing life with a younger woman, knows what's going on in her life. Um, she's, uh, she knows the younger woman's heart, her, her struggles, her challenges, um, what her daily life is like. So a, a spiritual mentor isn't standing at the front of the class, kind of instructing from a distance. She's, she's seated um, on the couch in, in the living room while, you know, the younger woman's babies are crying and the telephone is ringing and, and life is happening. And so as, as an older woman invests in the life of a younger woman, she's walking, her, walking with her through uh, challenges like helping her see how the gospel really applies to life. Like how does the gospel apply to uh, a mom who has an autistic child? She's helping her think through how does the, the gospel apply to a woman whose husband is, you know, has an addiction of some kind? Uh, what does the gospel have to say uh, to a woman who's had a miscarriage or um, who is just bruised by life? What does the gospel have to say to a woman who's overindulging in things like television or shopping or something else? And so um, a spiritual mentor is going to take the time to get to know the woman that she's ministering to. Um, she's going to walk with her through trials and challenges. And she's going to help her see how the gospel speaks uh, to all areas of life. And the truth is, we all need uh, discipleship. We all need these kind of relationships. We all need someone who is pouring into us. And then we, in turn, need to be pouring into somebody else's life. And in this way, we're, we're like passing a baton from one woman to the next. And so the truth is there's always someone who is younger than us in the faith and someone who's always uh, more mature than us in the faith um, that we can be learning from and then passing it on to. Uh, Nancy Wolgamuth wrote a book called uh, Adorned, and it's about this kind of relationship between women. And she wrote, We're not just solo competitors slogging it out toward a distant finish line. Instead, we're a team. We run together. Think of it as a relay, passing the baton from one person to another, each of us involved in the process, both giving and receiving as we press on toward our destination. So as sisters in Christ, uh, we disciple one another. We pass on that baton of the gospel, um, helping us move forward in our race of faith. So I want you to consider today, who do you know um, that you can reach out to and pour into their life? Um, and who do you know that could be pouring into your own? And the last characteristic of our sisterhood in Christ that I want to point out, um, as I said, there's many more that we could probably talk about. Um, but this one is on exhortation, that we exhort one another. Uh, this is something that believers do. In Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, he, uh, he called them out on some things that they were doing. Um, 
there was some sinful situations that were going on and he exhorted them with the truth of the gospel and told them, you know, exhorted them to turn back to Christ. And this is a characteristic of our relationship with one another. I don't know if you've ever uh, walked around all day maybe with um, some food stuck in your teeth or maybe your hair was like matted in a weird way. Um, maybe you left the house with your, your outfit all wrong. Uh, I saw a lady at the store the other day with her shirt on inside out and I, I was like, should I go and tell her? Do you think she knows that? Um, <laughs> um, but then you have a friend who comes up to you and says, oh, you've got something right there. Um, and it's embarrassing to realize, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've been walking around all day with food in my teeth. But at the same time, we're thankful to that friend who came up to us and told us that ugly truth. <laughs> um, it's one thing to have, you know, spinach stuck in our teeth and not realize it, but it's another thing to have a friend point out something in ourselves that we can't see, spiritual things. Uh, Sin is deceitful to us, and it blinds us to the truth, and it often takes another person who sees that and points it out to us. And so when a sister in the Lord who spots something in our life that we, we just can't see uh, and points it out to us and exhorts us to turn back to the Lord, she is a good friend. The psalmist wrote, Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. Proverbs 27 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. So uh, exhortation uh, is painful. Uh, no one <laughs> likes to have light shining in the darkness of their heart. Um, but it's important and necessary. God gave us each other in the body of Christ to help us move forward in our faith. And so when we see uh, something going on in, in our sister's life, we, it's like we see her stepping into some quicksand, and, and we desperately want to pull her out before she gets sucked in. And so we remind her of the gospel. We remind her of who she is in Christ, what he's done for her, uh, that she was bought at a price, that she's a new creation, uh, that Christ will never forsake her. And we point her to the cross, to what Jesus did there, to uh, forgiveness, and to the way of repentance. And we offer to walk with her as she goes on that journey. Uh, sometimes we think of exhortation as an opportunity to just kind of point fingers at somebody else. Uh, we might feel superior that we've spotted, you know, a chink in somebody's armor, and, and so we and you, you know, feel like um, we enjoy pointing out someone's fault. Rather, um, what, it, what exhortation is, is that we are grieved when we see another sister fall into sin. Because we're united to one another, it hurts the whole body when uh, one of our sisters turns away to do her own thing. And so when we exhort one another, it's always done out of love and gentleness. We go out of our way to speak to our sisters in kindness. Uh, we seek to spur them on uh, forward in her faith. And Paul wrote to the Galatians, he said, If anyone is caught in any transgression, 
You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And so in this session, I just kind of wanted to get a, a paint a broad picture of what our relationships in the church look like of what it looks like to be sisters in Christ of you know how to live out this unity that we've talked about um, you know as, as you sit here taking it in you may um, you know you may reflect on ways that you've had friendships like this uh, you may remember times when other sisters have um, mentored you you may remember times when sisters have mourned with you or have served you in some way um, but maybe there's others of you who really long to have uh, a friendship like that you long to have a sister that you can turn to when life is really hard um, some of us may have uh, even painful memories of uh, friendships in the church where sisters in Christ maybe let us down in some way so we've all had a variety of experiences um, and we're going to talk about that in the next session uh, we're going to look at you know how do we how do we cultivate deeper relationships how do we go from just having um, something in common with someone uh, a shared uh, a sh shared experience a, a shared joy how do we go from there into like really sharing our life, um, sharing even the hard things with each other. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about, you know, what do we do when there's conflict uh, with one another, when we disagree? How do we handle that? And so uh, let me um, pause for prayer and then we'll discuss this for a little bit, okay? Father in heaven, I thank you. Um, for the church and that you've designed us in the way that you have i thank you that you've provided um each each part of the church that we need um, i thank you for the ways that you use us uh, to build up and bless the church uh, and i just pray that as as we move forward in our um, talking about friendship as we move forward and thinking about what it looks like to be united to one another that you would you would just give us wisdom and that you would um, just knit us together. Um, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.